0: For the last couple of episodes we've been responding to a critique about Christianity. I want to continue that response in this episode relying on three really important theologians from the 20th century. Stay tuned. Hello friends, Pastor Tim Westermeyer here, Senior Pastor of St. Philip Deacon in the western suburbs of Minneapolis. Good to be with you as always. This is going to be sort of part three of what will be, I think, a three-part series. We may do one additional one down the road. Uh, All of them prompted by a conversation I had with a parishioner here a while ago who in a conversation with some friends uh, was receiving a critique about Christianity. Uh, You may recall this where the friends were basically saying, well, Christianity thinks it's true and that's, pick your word, unfair, unjust, it's prideful. And therefore, I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. So I've been sort of walking through some responses to that. Uh, A couple of episodes ago, we talked about sort of a logical response to that. Not particularly well, as I admitted, and uh, made a few people's heads do somersaults, which is fine, but we'll connect to that one. The last episode, uh, we talked um, not about how Christianity is different from other religions, but rather ways that uh, Christians from biblical times have thought of Christianity as being connected to people of goodwill and people of good faith throughout history. Uh, And again, we'll connect to that episode as well. In that episode, I lifted up examples from the Bible, from St. Thomas Aquinas, from the Second Vatican Council, and from one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis. And again, that was about sort of the connections or the continuity um, between Christianity and other religions. Today, I want to... talk a little bit about how Christian faith is different from those other faiths and right up front I'm going to tell you I'm going to lift up um, three towering hugely important theologians from the 20th century um, and they all happen to be favorites of mine uh, G.K. Chesterton J.R.R. Tolkien, and once again, I'm I'm drawing on C.S. Lewis to make this point. Um, and it's interesting because I'm going to start with Chesterton, who lived earlier than Tolkien and Lewis, and I'm going to start with a controversy he was involved with, with someone who actually took the opposite view of the individuals who were challenging the person I know. In other words, this gentleman, you can look this up. His name is Robert. Blatchford. Um, These are called the Blatchford Controversies, and they're from writings of of G.K. Chesterton in the earliest years of the 20th century, so 1903, 1904. And Blatchford basically said, well, Christianity is so much like every other religion. It's simply all the other myths of the world warmed over, and therefore it's all a bunch of bunk. It's not true. Why should I believe that? Um, And Chesterton, in his sort of brilliant, uh, genius way, flipped that argument on its head and uh, made some of the points I made in the last episode by saying things like, uh, Mr. Blatchford and his school point out that there are many myths parallel to the Christian story. That there were, for example, pagan Christs or Native American incarnations or Patagonian crucifixions for, for all I know or care. And he goes on then to say, if I, G.K. Chesterton, were to give each of my reasons for being a Christian, a vast number of them would be Mr. Blatchford's reasons for not being one. So again, Chesterton is drawing a connection, uh, saying, "Why, if God is the God of the universe, why wouldn't we expect to find um, hints of God in other traditions? And again, I'll remind you of something I lifted up from that Vatican II document last episode, um, Nostra Aetate, and it, in that document it talks about how other religions often reflect a ray of that truth, capital T, which enlightens all men. However, Chesterton also went on to say, the difference though, and I guess that's sort of the theme of this episode, the difference is that this myth actually happened in space and time, and was therefore the fulfillment of the instinct that humanity has had from the beginning to have this God who dies and is raised from the dead, okay? I could say more about Chesterton, but I'm, Worried I'm already going to go long. So let me just reinforce this by saying Chesterton's position in turn influenced J.R.R. Tolkien's position. Uh, You may know Tolkien as the author of The Lord of the Rings. And he said um, also very famously, and you can look this up as well, this is in a famous um, presentation, a lecture he gave that got turned into an essay. It's called On Fairy Stories from 1939. And uh, another writer writing about that says, Tolkien argues in this great essay on fairy tales that the Christian story was the great fairy tale, the story of stories, the myth that transcended all the other myths by actually happening in history. In this occurrence, Tolkien says, history and legend have met and fused. Okay? So, you, again, you've got this sort of symphony um, of stories that are similar, parallel to the Christian story. Tolkien would say, yeah, that's fine. Why would, why would we be surprised by that if God is present in all of creation? But this one actually happened. And very famously, and this leads us now to C.S. Lewis, Tolkien and Lewis were friends, Um, again, you can look this up. They had a walk with another friend of theirs, Hugo Dyson. It was in the early hours of the morning on September 20th, 1931. uh, When Tolkien made this same kind of point to Lewis, and Lewis was sort of dismissing all of these myths as being trivial and not, you know, communicating truth, Tolkien pushed back on that and said, no, they're not untrue. But then they took it further and Tolkien made the same point that he made in this essay, namely saying, and Christianity is the fulfillment of all of these stories because it actually happened. If you Google, this happened uh, on the campus of Oxford University, Addison's Walk, and C.S. Lewis, you will find all kinds of literature about this. That was one of the turning points for Lewis to become um, an actual uh, professed Christian. And here's some of what Lewis writes about this same theme. Um, and this is in an in a essay of his called Myth Became Fact from 1944. Um, the old myth of the dying God without ceasing to be a myth, comes down from the heaven of legend and imagination to the earth of history, he writes. It happens at a particular date, in a particular place, followed by definable historical consequences. We pass from the balder, Or an Osiris, that balder was a Norse god, or Osiris an Egyptian god. We pass from a balder or an Osiris dying nobody knows when or where to a historical person crucified under Pontius Pilate. And then he says this, we must not be ashamed of the mythical radiance resting on our theology. We must not be nervous about parallels. This brings us back to where I started with Chesterton uh, and pagan Christs. They ought to be there. It would be a stumbling block if they weren't. And I'm going to close with one other thought by another writer who maybe we'll come back to another time. Um, His name is René Girard, G-I-R-A-R-D. Um, And again, the point of this episode, I don't know if I'm making it very well, uh, once again, is that despite its connections with other religions, Christianity uh, claims with good historical reason to be unique among religions. And um, here's what Girard says. He says, Christianity has good reason to consider itself absolutely unique. And he says you can believe that without being an ethnocentric Simpleton. Okay? So, I don't know if this is helpful, but this was all prompted by this one conversation with a gentleman um, that had had, uh, some questions from friends. And again, these kind of questions are really important in the life of faith, and it's important for us to sit with them and to think about them and to do our research to discover what our faith actually has to say in response to them. Because almost always, after 2,000 years, Christianity has very, thoughtful, intelligent, coherent responses to the kinds of questions we regularly get. And I hope these few episodes have helped address at least one of them. If you have questions uh, prompted by this, as always, I would love to hear from you. I've had some great interactions in the last week or two with some listeners, and thanks to those of you who've been reaching out to me. Um, And we'll pick it up again next week. In the meantime, be well, stay in touch, and God bless. Mm.